there are two accounts of uh, one where a baby is eaten and one where a toddler is about to be eaten. Yeah, yeah. Kids are missing all over Transylvania for 500 years. Is that is that one baby even going to be enough for those three women? It has to be. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> that's all he's bringing home. He should have picked up a few. <laughs> yeah, pick up a teenager next time, Drac. <laughs> Shh. Listeners, welcome to another episode of Free Podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, joined as always by my good friends Joe and Duff. I renounce God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, you know, I, you know, we said this before. We told our listeners that we are, you know, as soon as the erotic thriller season was done, we were coming right back with a new season. And one could argue that we. That that this fits into erotic thrillers. Uh, it's <laughs> hope, hope hope you were not tired of horny ass movies because <laughs> I, I would argue that a vampire movie that isn't horny is a failure. Mm. Mm. True. Mm. Okay. Um, I think you're you're onto something there. Uh, new season, guys. New season. We're going to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, Duff, this is this is your this is your brainchild. Can you explain to our listeners what this new season's all about? In the '90s, there was a kind of a re a rehash or a reimagining or remake, whatever, of the Universal Pictures Studios monsters from the the '30s and '40s, um, and the it was kind of the core four, which are Dracula, Wolfman. Uh, Frankenstein and the mummy mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting and I've actually of those four only seen the movie we're talking about today we have we have plenty of time to talk about those other movies but today or tonight we're talking about um, Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola and I know there's a lot to say <laughs> I know there's a lot of uh, I could feel the joy in this room about it, this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's a a uh, in my notes because I I, uh, I it uh, is bananas. It's it's a visual feast. <laughs> so oh, a little pun there. Yeah, you like that. Um, but if you don't know anything about Dracula, um, or anything about this movie, I'm gonna. You know, as I as I want to do, I have a, a quick plot summary. Um, as always, Joe Duff, jump in at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like I'm jumping too far forward or or something I'm missing, okay. We start with a delightful prologue. We have Dracula in the Greatest 15th century prologue in history. Yeah, I'm so thank you. It, it it I agree. I mean that completely sincerely. I think it is the best opening scene, my favorite opening scene of all time. It- immediately just it turns the knob and breaks it because it cannot be turned anymore it's duff and i were texting about this it's what every video game since has tried and failed to do (laughs) it it uh okay so uh, we're gonna bring in a long-haired warrior and a suit of armor and you say like okay that sounds pretty cool and then i'm gonna follow it up it is blood red and in the shape of a skinned man an incredible prologue None and, other than Vlad the Impaler himself. 
Yes. So um, we find out that while Vlad was away at battle, his wife got some fake news, guys. <laughs> she got some fake news that he had died. So she killed herself. Dracula comes back, and he's pretty upset about the whole thing. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, Anthony Hopkins is in there to, tell, to remind him, by the way, uh, she can't go to heaven now because she killed herself. Yeah. Wait, is no that one Anthony asked Hopkins in that... In that- yeah. yeah, he's he's the weird old priest. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, so he, uh, no one asked him, but he decided he read, to... He, re- he read the room and decided <laughs> this is a good time to bring up that information. While Vlad the Impaler is sobbing and in pure misery over the loss of his beloved wife, uh, he just brings up, by the way, she's damned to hell for all eternity for the sin of suicide. I just thought you should know. Uh, Vlad the Impaler right here it reminds me of... Uh, when Dewey Cox rips all those sinks out of the wall, it is, <laughs> it's that that level of subtlety. Yeah, so he he's pretty upset about the whole thing, and he renounces God and stabs a cross, and blood pours out of it. And how metal is that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so we fast forward to the 19th century, and we have Jonathan Harker, um, played by Keanu Reeves, which I'm certain we'll get into. Um, <laughs> taking a trip to Transylvania to visit old Count Dracula. Um, Dracula sees a picture of Harker's girl and thinks it's a reincarnated version of his dead wife. Because she can't go to heaven. So he captures Harker and throws her, throws him with the gypsies and uh, fills no, up a bunch they're not, of... No, they're not gypsies. They're his weird nympho prisoners. <laughs> okay, well, whatever they are. <laughs> In the special feature, Coppola refers to them as his wives. So okay. I okay. think we can say it's like a. Uh, I don't want it. I don't know what we're concubine. Ooh, Concubines. That's good. good. Concubine yeah. or harem. Yep. Um, I like that. We see a lot of boobs. Uh, and then uh, Dracula in his in his crew fills up a bunch of crates full of Transylvania dirt, and they head to London. <laughs> can we mention why Har- Harker is there and who? Um, <laughs> we see near the beginning of the scene he's replacing a previous i guess basically real estate agent right yeah he's an actuary i think just yeah so he's helping him complete some purchases of london real estate uh, and he goes in to replace someone who's having quote-unquote personal problems yeah so we see uh renfield is the guy you're talking about yes. played by tom waits oh, and you know God. you know things are gone are, are have gone poorly for renfield because he's in a and an insane asylum, and, and the guards walk around. He's in, with he's in a Arkham, Arkham Asylum. There, uh, Tom Waits also eats bugs to become a bug. I think. Yes, yes. He um, is he's so good, guys. So, so Dracula here, he comes to London. He wines and dines Harker's girl Mina, um, but he while, doesn't look like Dracula now. He. No. Yep, he's, he, he's like steampunk dude Dracula. <laughs> yes, and while while doing this, he also you know turns into a wolf at one point and seduces and bites Mina's friend Lucy, um, which then leads to the hapless three men who all pine over Lucy to call yeah. in the big guns, bringing Van Helsing. So is Lucy the horniest character in this movie? Very yes. horny movie. Yeah, Lucy, Lucy's only trait is that she's horny. Lucy is very horny, but I will say. Um, Except for Keanu and Anthony Hopkins, every other dude is super horny for her. Like, there's just palpable tension between all these dudes, even though one's her fiance. 
Yeah, um, Lucy owns. <laughs> I love yeah. Lucy. <laughs> so, I mean, she just like... <laughs> There's so many funny things. Like she, they accidentally look at uh, Arabian Nights, and there's yeah. all these like, like Which, really dirty that, sex drawings. Is that in Arabian Nights? I don't know. <laughs> I meant to. I believe that. I'm gonna say that it would be a weird thing and possibly offensive thing to make up. So okay, okay. Like I, I think it's one. I don't know. I'm not gonna speculate because uh, I don't know. Lucy. No way to find out. There's Luc- no way. Lucy and Mina, played by Winona Ryder, they love just hanging out in the rain, maybe a little kissing. Yeah, that happens. That's a quick thing. And you're like, wait, did that happen or not happen? And it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. So um, we should say each uh, of the her three suitors are like video game characters, basically. Yes. Uh, we have the, do- the, the doctor guy, played by Richard E. Grant. Yep. Then we have, uh, I always pr- mispronounce this name, the Princess Bride guy, Carrie Hughes? Hughes? How do you elves? ask me? I don't know. Elves? Don't ask me, but Lord Arthur, he plays like the, you know, the rich to-do guy, right? The, yeah, you know, the guy from Money. And then uh, in a fantastic role, we also have Billy Campbell, the rocketeer himself, as uh, you're like... Uh, Rootin' and Tootin' Cowboy. Rootin' Tootin' Cowboy, Quincy. <laughs> And, and and I should mention Carrie Eels. God, I I should have looked up how to pronounce this name. No way to know. I love. There's such great names in this movie, but his might be my favorite. Lord Arthur Holmwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so, uh, Dracula. You know, Helsing gets called in. Dracula is just too much for Mina to resist, and he turns her into a vampire. Things start happening pretty quickly here. He goes. Um, uh, he goes back to Transylvania. Dracula does, and our heroes try to stop him. Pretty much everyone Joe mentioned. You, you are. I mean, I know we're going to get back and go into the details, but your your introduction of Van Helsing was unusually brief, considering that he eats eight thousand pounds of scenery in this film. Yeah, he, he yeah. him and Gary Oldman had a preening for who was going to chew the most. It, it was a competitive eating contest, Nathan's hot dog eating contest between Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman. And honestly, against all odds, I think Anthony Hopkins, despite less screen time, wins. Well, I mean, you know, it was one of my fun facts is that this was all shot in a studio and they had to get it all right on the first take because those guys just ate all the scenery. It's just like. <laughs> We got to get more scenery in. And I mean that, in this case, in a very positive way. It's the right thing in this movie. Um, so uh, so back at Transylvania, we've got the 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 concubine. We have a big battle. Ultimately, We Dracula- have, like, a John Ford stagecoach. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, ultimately, Dracula gets stabbed. Mina rushes to his aid, and they enter the chapel from their prologue we mentioned earlier. They kiss Dracula. Go into the chapel, and I'm gonna cut his hat off, and I'm... Dracula turns back to his younger self. He asks for peace. You know what that means? Mina stabs and decapitates him. The end. Uh, I think it's the most romantic uh, uh, death scene ever. Romeo and Juliet vibes, kind of. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm not sold on I'm not sold on that part. Do you know what else the the carriage chase reminds me of? It's like a Red Dead Redemption mission. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like I, I I'm I'm not kidding when like that prologue is what every prologue of every video game ever made since tries so hard to do. 
right? Yeah. Like, just we got to nail this, and nothing nails it like Dracula does. Um, is there anything I missed that we're not going to talk about? Uh, no, just a lot of horniness. Uh, I think oh. I think that the only other thing, well, just as a brief callback before we've gone too long, I think Anthony Hopkins is now a professor Van Helsing with a medical background, but also knows how to kill monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his bedside manner has not improved in the intervening centuries. Because <laughs> no. uh, after uh, Nina... Um, Excuse me. Lucy dies. Uh, he tells her late, uh, her, well, not widow, but they were never married. They were right? best pals. Uh, he's basically oh, like, sorry, he, you're, you're... he pulls her away. He pulls him away from her wake and is like, uh, I'm going to need your help. Uh, we need to cut off her head and put a stake through her heart. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I thought you were referring to when he's at dinner with Harker and me and he's like, Oh, then we put a stake through her heart and cut off her head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh it's so good. So I know I know we have a lot to talk about, but guys, I almost I I can't believe I almost forgot this. Um, I've been keeping this as a surprise, but we do have a sponsor for this entire season. Oh no! Oh wow! Um, let me just get this up here. I'm glad somebody replaced me to find sponsors. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't say this beforehand. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> I don't know if we'll put music on or something, but have you ever struggled to figure out how much pizza to order? <laughs> Not anymore with pizzamath.fyi. That's pizzamath.fyi. I thought it was going to be related to the movie. Did you yeah. actually uh, make the website? I don't know what you're talking about, Joe. <laughs> it's our sponsor for the entire season, pizzamath.fyi. If I put this into my computer, is it going to give me a virus? I, I, I double-checked it. It looked, it looked legit. Everything looks like a real thing, you know? It's a real sponsor. We're really doing it. Okay, so, all right. This movie, there's a lot to talk about. Um, I think the most fascinating thing about this is this is a Francis Ford Coppola film. Well, why would you say that's surprising? Well, it's just like... I'm not trying to start a fight. I just just want to know why. Because his, when you look, he goes places, a lot of different places over his career. So that... That's why I'm wondering. Well, I guess when I think of Francis Ford Coppola, I think of, you know, the, the main things I think of are The Godfather, Godfather sure. 2, The Conversation, and Apocalypse Now. Those feel like very shot and on location movies. Yes. If Fam- famously Apocalypse so. Now, famously so. Where this is all studio. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's... Coppola after Apocalypse Now is, uh, as Joe said, he goes places. Well, first, first of all, flying too close to the sun by making one, uh, one from the heart, a lavish movie that I mean, the eighties in general were not great for this man. He, well, part of it was he was a, he was bankrupt and needed to take gigs for hire, like uh, one from the heart almost. I think he's declared bankruptcy a couple times and his studio Zoetrope or American Zoetrope one from mm-hmm. the heart he had to like hawk everything and go into debt and I couldn't find a clear answer to this because he actually de- declared bankruptcy once more after this movie and this but, movie saved him from having to do it earlier yes, yes. I, th- I, I heard that this was the movie that kept 
that like he finally got out of debt with American Zoetrope, but I think he still had other debts. I, I'm not sure. How he he mentions in um he he is mentions in one of the special features that he has that the painting of Vlad the Impaler that you can see during Dracula's dinner mm-hmm. with um, oh my god yes that Keanu talks about. He says, "Oh, I see the resemblance." Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coppola says he has that painting hanging up in his home because he saved that house because this movie saved his home. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, and it is a, um, I, I don't think we can talk about him without talking about the, the, the visual effects in this movie, because that is a big part of it. And I know if you don't care about visual effects, I get it. This is fascinating in my yes. mind. Like everything around this is fascinating. It's all practical, meaning it's all like in front of the camera. Like there's no, there's no fix it in post. Except there's only one thing and it's like those magic flames that he drives through it's yeah the it's, only a, thing it's a, done. and it's the worst effect in the entire movie yeah yeah so if uh they do all kinds of really cool things uh we talked about the intro a lot but they, they have these battle scenes and it's all shadow puppets yeah. or largely and then you have a couple actors in front and uh it works great and and coppola talks on and on about how they just going to do everything in camera everything on set and they just figured out tricks to do it and do you know who was res- primarily responsible for all of it was his his son roman and he mentions why he was able to get away with this with dracula um there was a transition in leadership at the studio so wow. one studio head was on on their way out and a new person was coming in like while they were in pre-production i think so he he mentions in an interview that he's uh He's not sure if they actually really knew what he was doing, <laughs> which rocks. Yeah, and especially when it works, which it all does. I mean, and I agree. It is really cool that, like, he brought his son on and Roman Coppola did it, and it's, like, the effects are great, and he's had quite a career for himself after this oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, Um But, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I could see, like, if, if this was, if Twitter was around in 91 while well, this is in progress or whatever, we'd be like, oh, my God. Well, and the other thing that's super odd is... Um, horror as a genre in general is kind of like the ghetto of genres it's not respected but then in you know you had in the late 60s and early 70s you had big name people making classy horror movies like the exorcist um rosemary's baby Mm -hmm. um and then you know up until the shining and then after that it just completely goes the opposite way. It's just all slasher flicks directed by like third rate music video directors or, and, or, and or independent Craven. movies that launch careers like with Sam Raimi. Yeah. So yeah, you had Wes Craven and Sam Raimi and whatnot. Um, kind of, uh, they were cutting their teeth. I couldn't think of any, I can't, I could be wrong, but it, like the, the eighties yeah. horror regressed back into this, you know, oh, and part of that is just because that's, I mean, the genre did that. It was all like splatter movies where teens were getting And you could make monsters. it for cheap. You could make it for cheap and right. make some money on it. Um, so I think that makes it all the weirder that a big name director, even one who had a pretty tumultuous decade, did it. And now you have kind of a mix of directors who are, you know, famous doing horror and whatnot, but it's it became more respectable again. Um, But yeah, so in 1992, 
I guess you had Jonathan Demi do Silence of the Lambs. Maybe that's the one exception I can think of. But so for our, let's say for all intents and purposes, this is the first like really famous A-list director doing a horror movie in a decade or so. With an A-list cast. With an, yeah, with, with a Because that's, that's the other important thing. With a like huge even, budget, an A-list cast, yeah. Because even like Spielberg, you know, didn't direct but has his fingertips all over like the Poltergeist, right? Which yeah. is 82, but that doesn't really have any big name stars in it. How could you disrespect Coach like that? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I just did. Well, Craig T. Nelson is no longer a Patreon of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Craig T. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got Keanu, who's like a big deal at this point. I mean, I know he's a big deal now, but like this was also like big deal, Keanu. I mean, this is when they were trying to make him the new like Tom Cruise, when they were like, oh, he can do action, he can do rom coms, he can do drama, mm-hmm. and. Mm, no, yep. <laughs> uh, we have Anthony Hopkins. He can't we have... do all those. He can. I know a writer. She was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes, I mean, I would argue <laughs> she's like, the biggest I... star in this movie, probably at the time, right? <sighs> yeah, I would. Maybe... I think. I think her and Keanu are equal star. Probably, yeah. Equal star power. Because like, because like, um, when Owner Riders '88 through like '94 is is damn good. Like Heather's Beetlejuice. Edward Scissorhands, Dracula, Age of Innocence, Little Women, yeah, Reality Bites. Even. No, she was a big star. Um, and then, and, also, and then you have Anthony Hopkins just coming off Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. so you have last year's Oscar winner. Yeah, Gary Oldman was not a huge star, but certainly a noteworthy actor. He didn't yeah. put butts in the seats, but yeah, he was he was a get. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 wild. Um. You know, the thing about the thing about Winona Ryder is when, as I like, have been revisiting Winona Ryder movies recently. Um, she's great, as I just said, but also like it's so sad to me that her career just sort of like spiraled out of control for such a like. We we've talked a lot about like how un, you know the way like I know we talked about before about how like men can get away with certain things as actors that women never can right there's never like i was while watching this I was like what what is the bad girl actress that didn't have her career ended for being a quote-unquote bad girl and that never works for men they always get their comeback right it I always mean, they always they always get another chance yeah. shortly afterwards i mean what does she do shoplift or something she, yeah she Big shoplifts deal. meanwhile like Mel Gibson threatened to burn down his wife's house and now he's not he but we're still nominating him for Oscars. Yeah, I mean it's it's just like it's just wild the difference between that and it's so like I mean everyone always talks about Hollywood and how like when actresses get a little older how how like you know how dire their prospects become in movies but like even even their behavior is just under such a microscope that you make any mistake and it's like well I guess she's done. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. That's why it really was nice to see her get to be in something fun and successful like Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say there are times in this movie where I don't think she's doing great. I don't hmm. think I don't think accents are her strong suit. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I would agree. I don't like here's the thing, as like a viewer, I don't care about accents. Like they there's not a thing that like I get hung up on. I know it feels like I'm in the minority on that cuz people I, My thing is more, especially in a movie like this. This, which is already pretty silly, like intentionally, like kind of over the top and stuff. Like it's like, eh, we're having fun well, watching the bloodsuckers. You it's know? not. It's not so much the quality of it as that it comes in and out, and that drives me crazy. 
Like, yeah. It just completely drops for a couple lines and then comes back and it'll, yeah. I'm with Rob, though. I don't usually notice it that much. Yeah. It's a thing where all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, what about his terrible Boston accent? I'm like, I don't know. I guess. I didn't pay Who wants to listen to a Boston accent done authentically? They sound like crap. So, is there anything else you guys want to talk about on the production stuff? Uh, I would say that if you're if you watch it and you are uh, like the story, like usually like the stories of how special effects occurs, especially these days, it's like all computers. It's all pretty lame. But I think like optical effects and stuff done in camera, like some of the stuff in Lord of the Rings and almost everything here, it's it. And they they Roma Coppola talks a lot about how it's it's he uses principles of magic to do it, yeah. like stuff that he picked up from magic books. And I, I think it's genuinely fascinating. So, like you mentioned, um, like there's there's these scenes when he's on his way to to Dracula's castle, where there's like this giant book in the foreground, and then his wagon is like, or train actually, right, is mm-hmm. riding on top mm-hmm. of it. And they yeah. actually had to make a super huge book to put like <laughs> in front of the camera and play around with distance a ton to like make that work, and. You guys mentioned like the the stagecoach scene, mm-hmm. like they filmed that on a soundstage with the horses just riding around in circles, <laughs> and uh, which I think was mentioned in the video I shared with you guys. But there's a yeah. few different ones on special effects on the on the Blu-ray, and I, I just think it's just genuinely really interesting how they fi- just figured out how to do all this stuff. And and the only reason they were able to do that is because no one was paying attention to what. Francis Ford Coppola was doing so he had the time and the resources to just be like ah oh, well we'll just figure it out and and that's why it's interesting is like whenever you use a practical effect it's it's interesting because it's a problem you have to solve and you have to be find clever solutions for it and it's it's really cool when you learn those solutions it's like learning it's like learning how a magic trick happened you're like whoa that's how they did it yeah, yeah. whereas like CGI is, now, is, now the answer is always some nerd at a computer, which is fine. Like it's great. It's great because it's way cheaper. And that's the other thing is when you they go over like how they did this like forty second shot, you're like, oh my god, what an absolute nightmare to like figure out and to do it. But it looks so much better. It looks cool. It looks great. And, and think about as an actor, like how much more fun it would be to be in. I know putting on that full makeup probably. I would hate it, and it probably really, really sucks. And it sounds like from everyone ever ever had to do it. Yeah, no one's to. ever said they enjoyed it. Sure, <laughs> and and I totally get why, and I would feel the same way. But once you start, like once you look in the mirror, like when Oldman is in the Dracula, like weird, like bat bat version of Dracula makeup yeah. and stuff. If that is him, I actually don't know. It is him. It is him. Yeah. And all of them, even when he's like the full bat mode. When yeah, because uh, when he's full bat mode, he thought he didn't like. I read a thing that he didn't like how he looked. He didn't think he looked scary enough, <laughs> and so Francis Ford let him whisper something scary into everyone's ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who was in the scene before they before they before they like started filming it? Uh, that's really funny. I hope he. <laughs> God, and by all accounts, Gary Oldman was completely insane during the making of this because he was going through a divorce and yeah, having a lot of personal problems. Hitting a lot of uh, there's a lot of alcohol being consumed by Gary he's, Oldman. He's on a set. he's a ter- he's a tale in himself. <laughs> yes, he has he has some opinions. Did you guys know who Keanu Reeves' stand-in was for this movie? Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> what? Yep. 
What? I had no idea. So, like, there's all these scenes where, like, uh, Keanu would have to be, like, hanging upside down on wires and stuff. So they would have Johnny Knoxville do it. Wow. Isn't that I cool? I didn't know that. That's funny. I had no idea. Wow. So let's let's dive into some of the differences between this Dracula and other Draculas that have existed since, you know, there's a long history of Dracula movies. This, so this one is fairly loyal to the book from what I know. I have not read Dracula. All vampire movies are kind of sexual, and, but this one is very horny. <laughs> very. It just... I... I did not remember there being so much sex and nudity in this movie. And wow. Wolf Dracula what? humps uh, Lucy. <laughs> Why does he turn into a wolf? Because he so can I, car- car- turn into the beasts of the world. That okay. That is something that I did not know when I first saw this movie. But I guess that is canon the to the book. Okay. That he can, he can turn into kind of monster. The other thing is, is Dracula doesn't look like Dracula in this movie. There's no capes and there's no widow's peak hair. It's it's steampunk Dracula. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, this I, mean, I don't I know we said this beginning. You cannot be said enough. This movie visually is just an absolute delight. And Gary Oldman's the his initial outfit we see him in the kind of red. I don't know what to call that, but is like weird white uh, hair curls. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, old Dracula when we first yeah. see him at Transylvania. Like, that look kind of immediately became uh, what you'd call now a meme, but I don't know, just a flashpoint back then. Like, it was, you know, parodied and it was kind of just everywhere. This one we should be memed more than it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, just the I, I renounce God line is so awesome and rocks yeah. so hard. And, and, Definitely, I felt that way many times this year. <laughs> so, my favorite, my favorite, and it is is when uh, Dracula gets all slicked up and goes to London for his big, his big uh, role boy goes to the city, and uh, he wants to get uh, oh, yeah. he wants to get Winona Ryder's uh, character's attention. He's just like, see me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know why it just makes me laugh so it's hard. Awesome. And yeah. I should mention, like, I, I, sometimes I act like people actually listen to our show and it matters. But <laughs> I like to give people credit, you know. And I, I think we've talked a lot about Coppola and and both Coppolas, you know. But we should give credit to the cinematographer who's also had a great career, Michael Ballhaus. Oh yeah. And he's worked a lot with like Scorsese, uh, Frank Oz. A lot of great directors. Uh, he does the cinematographer for Goodfellas. That's one big one. Um, and I, I've always thought he's uh, he's done really excellent work as a cinematographer. And I just I thought I should should mention him. Well, as if a we're a guy who rocks. Well, well, while we're doing that, we got to mention the costume designer too. Um, uh, I'm sure I might probably mispronounce it, but Aiko Ishioka, who mm-hmm. does the costumes in this movie. Unbelievable! Oscar They're winner, awesome. Oscar winner for like awesome Oscar winner too, right? Like this is yeah. <laughs> these are the Oscar winners that never seem to win <laughs> sometimes on stuff like this, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Every, every everything is iconic in it. Um, yeah, just, just the music rocks too. I mean, everything about it is great. I love it, and um, so I will, I will say uh, that I think 
the weakest link of the movie is the script. Because uh, hmm. when you, there are some things that don't really add up. And I on, honestly watching this, like in the second act, I kind of get bored when it's the Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder stuff. Oh, interesting. It's, okay. It's not a huge thing. Like I, I still love this movie, but, but it, I, I don't think it's perfect. Isn't I think, that the part when Keanu's getting raped all the time by she vampires? <laughs> <laughs> so like, can you really call it that boring? True. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie that definitely feels like it could be way longer because like that, the finale is just like, Whoa, we're, Whoa, boats. Whoa, yeah. trains, we're so, stagecoach, we're there, boom. When I mean, we, I, listen, I like lump cuts, so I'm fine with it. When we got done watching this, my my wife was like, this is like Dracula if it was written by a 13-year-old boy. And I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. But, but okay, and isn't, but isn't it supposed to be, like, so like in, in inter- some cases, don't you want, like, an immaturity and a silliness in these what are by like by definition very silly stories i I don't want this to be serious and that is actually why by the end joe you mentioned how like romantic it is i'm sort of like but it but it but it's romantic in like a very like storybook kind of silly way and i i acknowledge your point and i i know what you mean but like it's not it's it's romantic not in a way that genuinely is meant to move you but it's just like a callback to like like um this sort of like to melodrama. I think this, I don't know. And this kind of gets back to the erotic thriller trope. I don't know if it's supposed to be genuinely arousing or if, like you said, it's supposed to be a callback. All, all I know is uh, <laughs> like when we see a lot of Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder in the middle of the candles and then he's, <laughs> he's like turning into a beast and crying at the letter. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I, I don't think I, we're, that we're meant to take it seriously, but we're also, it's like meant to just celebrate that sort of silly, over the top, like melodramatic kind of storytelling. Like, I don't know, I, and, and I will also acknowledge, because it, it's only a matter of time until I defend Keanu Reeves here. I'm just surprised oh, you guys boy. haven't brought it up yet. I'm ready. Uh, but, we were, uh, yeah. But, like, I, so I, I know I have a tendency to, like, bent over backwards to defend everything in this movie because I love it so much but I, I just I, I think that I, I think that's all part of the fun like however the top it is oh it's a I, movie it's a movie that I love even though I think elements of it are stupid I, but, yeah to me yeah to me I feel like it's a near perfect movie and the Keanu performance is maybe the worst performance oh, I've ever seen man it's so bad it's perfect it's <laughs> no it's not it's not it's because he's not seen he's like this is partly why like this is partly why like I, the story thing doesn't work it's like he's supposed to be like I, I don't he's supposed to be like a main character that we care about See, and he's, he's he, it wouldn't work if he was here here's my angle on oh that. my god <laughs> no I I, I I I genuinely believe what I'm saying <laughs> I I think okay. that in order for her attraction to Dracula to make sense, he cannot be a compelling figure. Why? That makes it even more compelling if Dracula can still sway her. Sway her. No, yeah. because then it doesn't make sense why why she would be if if he was a good. He has ma- powers, he, dude. He can seduce. He turns into wolves and, and bats and stuff. But it isn't he, it isn't his powers that she's attracted to. It's his. It's he his, says, "See me," and she does. <laughs> 
but but then but okay she he all she does is see him and then she is she repeatedly rejects him after that it's his gentlemanly behavior and depth of feeling that actually gets her to stop and actually spend time with him it's not the see me part i don't i'm not buying that one well then then why then why if the see me thing actually makes her attracted to him so then that then why does she put up that front for the, like the first three times Man, that he tries to talk to her. Dracula. He's just shooting out pheromones left and right out of every he, orifice. He has had 500 years to learn how to sling game. <laughs> he's got a concubine of women that he's slayed already. Yeah. That still love him. Regarding Keanu though, like he, he needs to be, I think he needs to be an empty vessel for this story to work. And I'm not going to argue that Keanu Reeves delivers a good performance. That I'm not going to do. What I okay. am going to argue is that his character is incredibly unimportant and his character should be a, for, a forgettable figure in order for this story to work. He needs to be sort of nice enough and bland enough for us to understand why she wants to marry him initially. But he also needs to be forgettable enough and bland enough for us to, to buy why she would be attracted to this life of danger and this life of darkness and be seduced by Dracula in that way. If you're going to say that the only reason that she falls in love with Dracula and wants to go away with him is just because of his magic powers, then I think that just defeats the whole drama of the movie completely. And, and maybe So then maybe that means the movie doesn't work. But I, I think I don't think that she's attracted to him because of his powers. I think she's attracted to him because she offers a life of danger and sin and darkness that is completely concealed to her, but she clearly desires throughout the entire movie. So Keanu has to be a blank slate and boring and dull in order for us to understand why she could be attracted to someone as dangerous as Dracula. I think that... There, some of what you said is true in that I do think that this, uh, I would even say clumsily so a lot of the time, is about uh, Dracula teaching women to reject their Victorian modesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's well stated. But I still think that Harker is supposed to be likable. In the original Dracula, he's more or less the hero of it. I mean, Bella Lugosi obviously steals the show i think that it's again like if you look at the the script writer's uh body of work hook <laughs> is in there that movie sucks uh, well he did write contact so mix it well the first laura croft or no not laura it's tomb raider tomb raider the cradle of life so i don't think that was the first one <laughs> i don't think so um so again right writers can have their work co-opted but I don't think this dude is really smart enough to do that. I, Joe, Joe I, did you did you act in high school at all? Were you in any school plays? No, I retired from acting after sixth grade. Okay, I was well, the, I was I, I was the star of the class play in sixth grade though. So I, I'd like to think I know a little bit about acting. Okay, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, obviously. Well, Duff and I I know both acted in high school uh, at like senior plays, and I feel like our performances were as compelling and interesting as Keanu Reeves in this movie. Uh, it yeah, is he's it is I and I really like this movie and this happens every time I rewatch it is I'm like oh cool and then I'm like I always think 
Keanu's, I like Keanu. There's a lot of Keanu movies I love. We love, I love Speed. The first Matrix, awesome. We're John Wick fans. Like the whole thing. Point Break. Point Break. Um, the dude's yeah. got like four decades of like you know 80s, Bill 90s. And Ted. We should, I gotta say Bill and Ted. Sorry. Yeah. There are certain types of roles he should take, and this is the polar opposite. And I watch, and I, I'm always like, oh, it's not bad. And then I start it, and I'm, I'm like, it is, it is like a real battle. Between He's not how even good a great dramatic actor is. on his own without an accent. I mean, he can pull it off in the Matrix and things like that. But I mean, there was a time there were a lot of dramatic movies with Keanu Reeves, and it's just, it's not his thing. My private Idaho, my own private Idaho, one of them. Yeah, it is a. Uh, it is a real battle on like how much can he drag this movie down. Let's let's move on. Well, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to come to a consensus on. I, this. I, I'm not even disagreeing with most of what you guys say. I'm just trying to offer a different perspective that at least one aspect of his not maybe great performance I think maybe works. Joe, and, it's, okay, it's okay to admit Keanu did bad. It's okay. I, I, I already I do I do think that there's lots of stuff in it that's bad. I never disputed that. I'm just saying that there's one element of it that I think makes it work. We're, are we supposed to embrace debate? <laughs> I think you just got John licked. <laughs> well, that's for the listeners to decide. Um, so, all right. So this movie happens, Dracula happens, and we see we see a rise. It feels like a rise. Maybe not. I mean, I guess it's only it's been 28 years. So maybe that's why it feels that way. But a lot of vampire movies. I mean, yeah, it's it's a big hit, especially for an R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it made over two hundred million dollars worldwide. It was, it was a big phenomenon. Like I remember it. It was, you know, kind of talked about and buzzed about. So, yeah. And then after that, horror in general, it, I think it went in a number of different places. Um, but you did kind of see vampires come back because the eighties were all about slasher flicks and honestly not much else i mean you know nightmare on elm street was a little different but we have i think what's cool is we have like different kinds of dracula movies vampire movies right like you have like a teenage one that came out the same year in buffy the vampire slayer yeah and you have like your like adult interview with the vampire or yeah. then like the I whole know phenomenon of Anne rice Anne rice you have blade right which is like mm-hmm. a whole other way to like kind of look at that yeah don't forget Eddie Murphy in Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then that leads up to just about 10 years ago, Twilight, which mm-hmm. is huge, which doesn't even feel like it's a vampire story, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's a different type of one, though, again, right? Yeah. You sort of just like the you coming know, of age in that world. Story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then what we do in the shadows, uh, one of the best oh, shows yeah. on TV and also a great movie like brings some comedy into it. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, it does, you know, end up creating all these different like worlds that vampires can live in. Still, kind of following the same rules, but in different genres. I actually find it pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's my favorite out of like the sort of classic horror subgenres. You know, this or zombies or whatever. I, I think vampires stories are by far the most compelling of them, uh, because I think that the notion of and the temptation of eternal life is I find so rich for both comedy and and drama like I also uh, the temptation of coitus <laughs> yeah like okay okay I mean, that's yeah a big part of it sure I mean well just just 
this temptation of doing things that are in violation of God's law. You know, whether you're religious or not, you still feel that, right? And the idea of 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 living outside of of that moral framework, I think, is is really compelling. And I think that that's what horror films should do: is provide that titillating window into a world that you don't that you're afraid of but also are sort of aroused by it's it's interesting joe it feels like you're describing why i enjoy erotic thrillers so much (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i uh, um i mean i guess i've never said i don't like them i just no i know i'm just saying like i feel like that's a a good definition of why so like (laughs) but that's so rooted in the real world that i don't really the the fantasizing part of it seems creepy when you apply it to erotic thrillers (laughs) that's true uh, one thing that about the the universal monsters is that for almost all of them, or for at least certainly the big four and a few other prominent ones, is that uh, the monster usually ends up being the sympathetic person in the movie because uh, you sympathize with Dracula because mm-hmm. he's damned to eternal life. Because um, he stabbed that damn Because he threw a cross. It, it yeah. rocks. He rocked too hard. Yeah. Um, but then, as we'll get into, uh, Frankenstein is, you know, literal. He didn't ask to be born, man. I think, no. I think a genuinely moving, tragic character. So many people feel unloved by the people who made us. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I'm not saying that I feel that way necessarily, but like that sort of issue with your parents is... Uh, I, th- I think something that that people can really connect to, uh, and the Wolf Man is we sympathize with him because it's beyond. He doesn't want to be a wolf. Yeah, he, he can't control it. And it's, then, ab- it's about we all have demons that we have trouble controlling. Yeah. Uh, and the Mummy, hey man, he just he was asleep, and some grave robbers came, and hey, what's the deal? Well, I'd be mad too. <laughs> that, that's the biggest stretch out of these, but I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I would be mad too. Though, I also would be mad if I was just having a good snooze and my my. If I was, uh, what's the word when you put a baby like wrap them up tight, swaddling, uh, swaddled. Yeah, if I was all swaddled and resting eternally, uh, and someone was like, "Hey, my, guy, I want your gold." Yeah, that uh, Bush wrote a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me which song you're referencing. Swaddle. I don't know that one. Was that a hit? Swallow. The song oh, Swallow. Swallow. Okay. Yeah. Num- number see. one. Number one. Bush fan. Rob Lumley. <laughs> Gavin, if you're listening, Rob would love to talk to you. Yeah. If you could make a parent version called Swaddle of that song, I think it would be a big hit on iTunes. Um, you know what I feel like, guys? I feel like uh, this is our boy. It's, I don't know, thirty seventh or so episode we've done on this. Um, is this the most Midnight-approved movie we've ever talked about? Uh, Basic Instinct, I thought, was pretty... Yeah, or it, Batman Returns. It is, Those are probably the... It's, it's in the top. It's in the peak of the pyramid. It's near the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think you're right. This isn't... I wouldn't say that this is the best horror movie ever made. I certainly not, would not say that. But no. I would say it's my favorite horror movie. Like I, I definitely fun. think The Shining is better, without a doubt. And The Exorcist probably is, too just rattling off a few things off the top of my head but like this or the evil dead 2 would be neck and neck for like my favorites to me this is just over the top but they're in on it there's some things that are pretty silly but it's so blatantly show-offish that i love it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't put it as my number one, but I I do enjoy it quite a bit, and it is very, very watchable. Um, I had forgotten a detail in this movie that is that in the beginning, Dracula goes out uh, to run, run some errands <laughs> and leaves <laughs> leaves leaves Keanu alone. Uh, and Keanu does he crawl down the wall to do so <laughs> like a spider yes. yeah. he does which is which I almost named as my favorite it's scene. like oh I have to go to the store just skitters oh. out <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Keanu goes snooping around and is then uh about to be eaten by the the busty concubine oh yeah yeah and, and then we see Dracula come back in and basically it says, I go out to get a baby for you to eat, and this is how you repay me? Dove texted me that that showed Dracula's a good provider, because he went out to get a baby for them to eat. Oh my god. So next up, Duff, um, we have Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> same writer, I think. Yes, same writer, but uh, an A-list. Of oh, the movie, A-list, not the book. But another A-list director, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Oh, hold on, he just did the story for it. Frank Darabont was a co-screenwriter. Oh, Frank Darabont. That's that's a that's another big name. He wasn't a big name yet, but um, I think Frankenstein is my favorite of the monsters. Um, well, good choice. We will. I've not seen it. I'm. I'm. I've I, read the book. I'm looking forward to diving into this. And then the the other thing is, um, we're recording a Patreon, doing similar thing as we did last season, where we have a episode that's related to this season with a guest. We will be talking about interview with a vampire with our good friend Claire. So that will be a fun Patreon episode that will be out um, around the time this comes out. A movie that I haven't seen in twenty five years, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and is saying is equally horny but different. <laughs> <laughs> a different horny, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to thank our sponsor again, pizzamath.fyi. Um, and listeners, if you want to f- sign up for that Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys, $2. You can get, uh, interview with a vampire with Claire. You can go back and listen to us talk about disclosure with Meeks. If you're still horny after watching, um, Frankenstein, I'm sorry, Dracula. Um, yeah. We good guys. Oh yeah. Yep. All right. Let's punch we'll punch next. the sword into the the headstone. <laughs> Let's let that blood flow. <laughs>